Hey, this is Akuya Jamfi, and you're listening to TBB Talks, a podcast where we from the British Blacklist bring you our conversations with creative black folk from the UK and across the globe. We'll be talking to up and comings, headline popping, and the legends from screen, stage, music, and literature. Basically, if they're creative, we'll be talking to them. And we hope to shed some insight into their lives, the work that they choose, who their inspirations are, how they stay motivated, and more importantly, how they keep sane being black in the arts and entertainment world. Speak for me. Hi. Breakfast? I haven't had breakfast yet. I'm just about to actually have it. But that's... I was waiting for your call before. Excuse me, why? Someone, you're supposed to have breakfast. You're a dancer. You're supposed to be healthy and stuff. I don't dance. <laughs> Do you not? I'm not a dancer. No, 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 no. No way. So how does I stopped it... dancing back when I was like 23. But how does a non-dancer have a dance company? Well, yeah. I make the music. Everyone dances to my music. Okay. okay. I dance to music. Okay. So hi, Mikey. Mikey J or Mikey? How do I call you? Mikey, Mikey's fine. Okay, so where did the J come from? The J is, a, is actually an old kind of dance tag that I used to have. And I did um, battle, um, producer battle by the jump off back in the day. Okay, yeah, I remember. And I need, yeah, and I needed a, a name. So I put my dance tag and Michael together and made Mikey J. Okay. Mikey J was born, yeah. So my tag name back then was Jester. Uh, why? Um, everyone just said, ah, oh, Mike, man, you're so funny. Da, da, da. Always mm. just call me funny. I always hate talking about interviews because now I'm forced to make you laugh. No, I wasn't even going to... Fo- I wasn't even... Tell me a joke now. You see? Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So, yeah, that was that was how Mikey J kind of came about anyway. Oh, OK. But now it's Mikey because you were growing folks now. Nah, Mike. Nah, it's just Mikey <laughs> because, yeah, that's why... My, my mum doesn't enjoy my name being... Everyone calling me Mikey. She called me Michael. She, that's what she said. Uh, so do you have a... OK, so do you have a thing where if you know me well, you can call me Michael and you know me, like, casually as Mikey or is it the other way around? It's, it's more different errors in my life. So okay. there's people who will call me Michael because they know me at a particular part of my time. I hear you. Life. Like, when you're chatting to someone and they go 07961, you know who? You know, a person in their 30s. Yeah. If someone with an 077-something number, then you know, ah... Uh, yeah, they're, they're a young person. It's, it's just that. You can just tell, just in my life, people who call me Mikey and people you, call me Michael. Do you know what? I hadn't even thought about categorising people by their um, mobile oh, yeah. numbers. Because, like, you I know my people... That. I'm not even going to say my people. Certain people I know have the 07956 numbers. Shout yeah. out to the old schools. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Those numbers will tell you those people are between, you know, late 30s, early 40s, yeah? Yeah, man, it's a, it's a time. <laughs> so, yes, Mikey, welcome. Thank you for talking Hi. to us. I mean, we've spoken to you. We're your old friends. We love... Well, I haven't even introduced that you're Mikey co-founder of Boy Blue. That's correct. That's correct. And Boy Blue is like a dance hip-hop company, which you guys are just phenomenal. Every time I've seen you guys perform, well, I say you guys, seen your crew perform to the music that you've created, it's always mind-blowing and it's an experience, emotional, it's um, just awe-inspiring. So, like, just... Just give us in a nutshell how it, how Boy Blue was born and what do you attribute its success and its longevity? Oh, wow. Um, so firstly, I want to thank you for, for the nice intro there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the company just tries to do what we want to do and, and create what we want to create and hopefully, you know, the public enjoys it. So that's where that comes from. But Boy Blue itself, it, it started in the community. There's no other way to describe it. Um, and that has been what is our success. We used to use this space in East Town.
camp called um, Hamilton Road Centre. In that space, we used to try and get two pounds from everybody, like a sub from everyone. So <laughs> we could just hire the space because there was people in the area that wanted to dance, the people in the area that wanted to do stuff. And that's literally how the kind of community around us grew because more people would come each week. Um, and then, you know, obviously you start thinking, OK, now we've got all these people, what should we do with them? And now you're saying, OK, let's create routines. And then from creating routines, oh, OK, now we've got loads of these little routines. Let's try and do a show. And then you eventually go and approach Theatre Royal Stratford East back then to try and do a performance. And when we put the promo out for the show, which was one of our first shows called GNX, all the tickets sold out before promo went wow. out. So that was, literally was it. You know, it, that shows, I think, a good example of the community interaction of what Pueblo Entertainment and at the time was and what we were trying to do at the time and how we built things at the time affected what then eventually happened in the theatre with the ticket sales. So, yeah, I, I would definitely say... Uh, uh, and even to this day, we, we still educate and create and build in the community as much as we possibly can, including with schools and um, universities, et cetera, higher learning, education, et cetera. So it's always been about the community aspect. And I think that's where our our success has come from, to be honest. So when you're saying we, that's you and Kenrick. So it's you two that's with the... And, Kenrick, yeah. and just, were you f- school friends? Kenrick actually never danced. He only started dancing no way. in like 1999. Yeah. Oh, he was 19 years old when he started dancing. I had acted, I'd sang, you know, I was part of county choirs. Mm. You know, he used to come and watch my performances. And then uh, he was a big basketballer. And then there was this um, other youth centre that we used to go to called Forest Gate Youth Centre. Um, that's still there, actually, because like Hamilton Road doesn't exist anymore. Oh, wow. And so um, we, he was playing basketball there. And one day there was, there was a guy called Cat B. I don't know if you know Cat B. He used to be on MTV. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Good old Cat, so yeah. Cat, yeah, Kat had a group called Rustuff, so myself and his brother, and at the time, Kenrick's girlfriend, was all dancing there. And he was downstairs playing basketball, and we were upstairs dancing, and one day he decided to come upstairs. And that's how it kind of all connected in terms of dance. But yeah, me and him, I'd known him since we were 12 at secondary school. And interestingly enough, my family had planned to move to Africa. My background is Ghanaian, African. Woo, woo. And um, oh, you're Ghanaian? <laughs> fellow Ghanaian, man, it's saying. Oh, hey, it's just, hey, yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, you know, we we planned to do that. And then what ended up happening was we came back, because I couldn't get back into my original form class, I moved into his form class. Okay. Brought us even closer. Then eventually basketball brought us even closer. And then, yeah, we've been best friends since so, that time. So, I mean, I think... There's a community of people who go through the dance initiation. So I think I used to be a dancer. I used to dance uh, way back in the day for when Jungle was big. And we used to oh, be really? like, we were a collective that used to dance. Alpha and Omega, we were called. And we used to dance at all yeah. the major um, uh, jungle raves and stuff. It was mm-hmm. official roast dance and all that type of stuff. And then there was a hip hop community that I think I dipped my foot into, but I just, I don't know, I wouldn't have the confidence. I think Shay Boogie, one of his dance groups was someone oh, that I... Um, like... Um what do you call it? Um, CNC and them. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So they were there, and then I was like, no, I'm a bit too shy. I'm going to stay out of that. So I, I lost my way. But there's a, like a dance community that has evolved in the UK. And mm. I guess at the time when it was, I say when it was big, because I know it's continuously big, so whether or not you're in that circle or not, it's, mm. did you, could you even envision that you <clears throat> <laughs> down the line would be Olivia Award winning? Because I think with me launching the British Blacklist, I've noticed yep. that 
choreographers and dancers don't necessarily get the same recognition in the arts world, even though they're very yes. essential. I remember they're when we had true. Top of the Pops, we had dancers, yep. you'd recognise the black dancers. We're like, okay, yep. we see you guys moving from place to place to place. Mm. But what is the end result? What is the end game? Where is the home for dancers? And yes. so what were you thinking as you, Boy Blue was growing and evolving? Was it something to kind of establish like dancers are important, especially black choreographers and dancers? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't, I would say, a specific mandate that was in our heads that's sure. kind of so poignant, I guess, to how you describe initially. But I know definitely at the time, in terms of people who work with us, so the creative that we had, we would always give that 100%, yeah. 100% respect to the dancers. Because, yeah, you're right. Back then, you know, dancers were the last to get paid on particular jobs. Um, dancers were given the least amount of respect and just the regular stuff that you would have in a performance situation where mm. a green room to sit or... Just being looked after, being yeah, in the green room, having amenities after, and, yeah, yeah, and paid well. Having, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, dressing room. That's yes, what yes. Was with dressing rooms. You know, it would always be the end of the line when it came to the entertainment, mm. right? And another one was just people dancing for free. That was definitely what people were trying to make people do all the time. Yeah. So us as a company, I would say what was definitely mandated in us, inbred in us, was that we was always going to give those dancers that kind of respect and they would be the stars of whatever we were creating, right? Mm. But I think... The mandate has shifted over time because dancing now and, and what is hip-hop anyway, specifically as an art form and what it has done with all the sub-genres sub like you're talking about, so grime, um, jungle, you know, all yeah. these kind of things, all of that has just forced people to say, nah, you have to listen to us. Yeah, you because... respect it because we have the ears of the people that you want to know next or the people you yeah. want to connect with next. And I think that's what's happened. So, yeah, there wasn't a real kind of understanding of that but now so much is more on trying to talk to the younger generation and if you're going to try and talk to the younger generation you've got to just be into what they're listening to and what they're doing so i think that us as a community now are definitely more powerful in that regard but i think what's also interesting is what you talk about in terms of the formal kind of roots for what we did yeah how we do it you know that's what we're now trying to create we're now trying to create these formalized roots for people to kind of say to themselves, okay, I've got this training. But there's also a battle, I think, between those two conversations. Institutionalizing it, mm. does that change its rawness? Does it cha change its freedom? Does it now put it in a space where everything has to be locked down, where we don't see innovation, where all of those subgenres, like we talk about, have come out of hip hop, have become because people have broken those rules. To be honest, everything essentially boils down to race when it's our culture and it being yeah. commercialised and turned into yeah. a business because yeah. I wanted to be a dancer but I know that mum I'm going to be a hip hop dancer it, compared yeah. to me saying mum I want to be a ballet dancer yeah. already the stigma that comes along with it 100%. is frowned upon from everybody you know mm -hmm. and then but yet it's so cool again I'm showing my age I can't help it but during the <laughs> 90s and, and the early noughties when hip hop became a thing and when pop artists specifically wanted to be a little bit black and urban then they'd have all these black dancers behind them and as you said if they're not yeah. being treated well but yet you couldn't go and get uh, a qualification in hip-hop dance yes. especially taught yep. by critically acclaimed hip-hop dancers because right now Kenrick I'm sure will be like yeah if you get taught by Kenrick it's accolades it's respect it how was, long did it take for that recognition to come it was crazy 2012 yeah when we did the Olympics yes we on the Olympics yes. right to see people in their CVs write down dance with Kenrick Sandy Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, yo, wait. My mate, yeah, is now become part of the standard that people are saying, yes, this must go on my CV right. because I'm about to do this job, you know? 
And at that time, I don't think we'd even put out that there that we were working on it or Ken was going to be choreographing on it specifically. But yeah, I think it's happened in the best way, which is naturally and organically. There's never, ever been a real kind of sense of this is what we're trying to do. And I know that might sound bad, but I think it's better because what's ended up happening is we have considered and just stayed to our authentic behavior. We've stayed with what we authentically wanted to create. And little by little, they've had to kind of start acknowledging it. But I think your case in point, testament, example to just getting on with it, not worrying about what anyone else is saying, what anyone else is doing. And you learn by far, you learn by trial and error. And if you're not, because sometimes as, again, as black folks or people, even just grassroots community organisations trying to make a difference, sometimes we see, OK, let's go and get funding, let's go and get support, exactly. let's get embedded in the yep. establishment. And yep. then it then starts to change the narrative. And then, as you said, what was raw, emotional and authentic becomes corporate controlled exactly. and dictated. Exactly. And then people yep. aren't left, you know, that freedom to express themselves is lost. And, and there we go. We had won <clears throat> our first Olivier without you, any grants for the arts. Can you imagine? So it's not about, like you say, it's not about all of these things that people mandate as this is what you must do. And I think hip-hop teaches you that. The, the, the style that we have, it is about just getting down and dirty. And, and, and the battle is a big part of the community in the sense that you battle, you take your battle stars and you move on, whether you win or lose. You're absolutely right. So you're bringing Black, White, Grey, the Olivia Award-winning performance, around on tour to Norfolk and Norwich. So yes. number one, how was Black, White, Grey born? And how do you and Kendrick work, Ken, sorry, Kendrick, Kenrick work? <laughs> I know you get that all the time. How do yeah. you and Kenrick work in regards to what comes first, the choreography chicken or the music egg? Yeah. Well, how do you lot do it's, it? It's a question we're asked all the time. Of course. In this particular situation, I mean, okay, to answer the overall thing, it doesn't matter. Whoever's got the energy, whoever's got that spark that wants to kind of put that down, they're the person to go with it. Okay. In Black, White, Grey's point of view, it was more the music because the idea came from me. So it's essentially a language. We both have two different languages and we both speak each other's language. So every now and again, the person who has the kernel of the idea, they're the one that's going to come first. So a lot of it came from me in the sense of I've created music that was around an African energy. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first things because I knew that's where the energy of the piece wanted to be. And then um, secondly, it came with just loads of different pictures. Um, You know, at the time, there was a lot going on, both with uh, Black Lives Matter and some of the police brutality situations in the States. And there was a lot of energy just surrounding information and what it means to be yourself, how much of it is indoctrinated and how much of it is your own. You know, some of it could even be indoctrinated from family, friends, religion, etc., as well as the government, the world, you know, the news. And what is your personal want and decisions? What Mm -hmm. does that look like? So this energy was the thing that started it. And then what Ken kind of described it as is when I've started now the music and I've this article and this picture and this, I did a spoken word, he felt like he was walking into an exhibit. Okay. And he kind of had the opportunity to look at all the different exhibits and go, okay, yeah, and then get inspiration from it and then start his choreography. And then something like this, travelling around Middle England, as it were, and as they say, hip-hop is universal, it's yeah. diversified over the years. Yeah. How do all other audiences respond to Boy Blue Productions and how they responded to Black, White, Grey? Yeah, I think it's been really interesting because I've never had the opportunity to go to some of the Middle England ones directly myself. Okay. But and and we also went to Taiwan recently. We oh just wow! Came back from there with the show. But what has been interesting is the common response to what I think is the ether stroke energy of the piece. Yeah. That people can feel the sense of struggle. People can feel the sense of realization. People can see the feel the 
the the energy of a personal journey for themselves because we keep that space open for them to place themselves on top of what they're watching. Mm. There's not a solid narrative, even though for me, there are five strands which I've tapped into in order for that to exist, but they've never to be told so that people can experience it in their own way. Yeah. But yeah, generally, you know, people are, by the end of the second act, they're like, wow, I don't know if I can watch the third, because it's taking them to such a space or an energy that it's like, wow, how can we move on? How can they actually take me? Then the third act, it really sets the tone and, and really leaves them in a good space, I would say. So just, oh, I've got so much to ask, but okay, I'll just wrap up with, so who's Mikey? Just on a day-to-day, who are you? What you like? What you like, son? <laughs> I think most of all, I'm a son, I'm a sibling, mm. um, and and I'm, I'm a friend. Like, that's the main thing. I just make music because it's the thing I want to do the most. Sure. And, and it's the thing that I think I'm best at and the best contribution of what I can give to both the arts and that of the world mm. is why I do it. And in between all of that, I'm just a guy. And I enjoy the anonymity more than anything else. You know, I don't have to be the star in front of the... Ken's had to have that, you know, moniker on him because he's been our face. Mm. And, um, you know, I enjoy just being able to just do my music, chill, and just seem be with my family. Like tonight, I'm going to go watch a show with one of my cousins because that's what I like to do. And that's it. Can you watch shows and not be super critical other dance? Oh, man, it's always <laughs> tough just to watch a show in general. I mean, yeah. dance is obviously one what my company does, but it's not the only thing that we dabble in because obviously we might find ourselves working on so many different types of show yeah. where dance or movement is needed. And mm. sometimes you just need timing and that means you might not be working with a dancer, you might be working with an actor. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's hard for me to watch something the first time. I have to watch it a second time to really enjoy it because the first time I'm looking at the lights and I'm seeing how they this particular <laughs> thing and all oh, the music. You're being technical. Yeah, so it is a bit annoying. But, yeah, sometimes I think the second time I get to enjoy the show. OK, so what's next? First of all, how can people get involved with Boy Blue? I mean, is there going to be a Boy Blue university-level grade qualification coming? Can we go well, to the school of Boy Blue? Well, currently we're in the GCSE, so we're, we're part of the um, offering there. So definitely if you're a young person who is trying to get into dance or specifically wants to kind of understand dance, we're part of the qualification in terms of hip-hop dance. Um, but then, yeah, myself and Ken, we're always teaching and speaking at higher education spaces. Right now I'm a professor at Guildhall School of Music and Drama, so oh, wow. yeah, I do um, electronic music over there. And there is something that we are building and stroke I am trying to build uh, for the future of young musicians, especially uh, that of, you know, a particular part of town, yeah. I should say. Okay, yeah. wicked. Well, we'll look it out for you. Um, can I answer one more thing? Can anyone dance? Um, yeah, anyone uh, can dance. Whether you dance in time or whether you dance very, <laughs> very well, that's the question. But yeah, everyone can dance, man. Okay, thank you, Mikey. I really appreciate it. It's great talking to no you. No problem. Take thank care. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye.